Welcome to the Vulva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So today we're going to talk to Dr. Sofia Torres, who is a gynecologist in Argentina. She's part of Dr. Marchitelli's group in Buenos Aires, but is currently working in Cordoba. She's going to talk to us about cosmetic gynecology. Hi, Dr. Torres. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what cosmetic gynecologic procedures are? So when we talk about cosmetic gynecologic procedures, we refer to surgical but also non-surgical techniques that are not medically indicated but are performed with the intention to change the appearance and the structure of healthy genitalia of women. This definition includes labiaplasty, that is the most popular procedure, but also other procedures that are sometimes controversial, such as clitoral hood reduction, hymenoplasty, vaginoplasty, laser procedures, vulvar lipoplasty, and G-spot augmentation. Motivation for this kind of surgery are generally physical, but also psychological and sexual. Why do you think they've become popular? Because women have become more aware of the appearance of their genitalia. There is increasing internet, sometimes sexually explicit material, and also in social media, is constantly showing women with the perfect body and the perfect vulva, the so-called Barbie doll vulva, that is the hairless vulva with the labia majora covering the labia minora, is often shown as a standard of normality. These images that we see on websites aren't representative of the diversity of the female genitalia, and when women compare the vulvas with the ones they see on pornography pages or why not on Facebook or Instagram, doubts emerge on whether they are normal or not. Quality of the information provided online is confusing and sometimes incorrect and uses advertising terminology. That is why women are misguided into thinking that they should look exactly to what they see. And to be pretty is the way that they can be pretty or aesthetic. And I think it's hard on the internet for people to learn that there's big varieties of normal, right? So as you say, people are just seeing these media pictures and internet pictures that are all very similar Yes, and sometimes these images are digitally modified, and they are not even real. Right, and people, it's it's very hard for women to actually learn what's normal. Yes, that's why it is very important for us healthcare providers to educate women. There are a lot of things we can do, and we have to work hard on that. Not only explaining with understandable language, but also showing pictures or drawings so the patient can understand what we are talking about. Yeah, I'll just bring up that there's a website from Australia called labialibrary.org that has lots of variety of normal vulvas that's built for patient education. So that's something that women all over the world can access. That's good information, labialibrary.org. So who's offering these type of procedures to women and do they have any special training? Anyone that has a medical degree can perform that, but they should be performed by a surgeon specialized in genital surgery. Ideally, someone that is 
specialist in vulvovaginal diseases in order to rule out any condition that could alter the anatomy of the vulva. For instance, uh, modifications produced by lichen sclerosis. Women that seek for this kind of cosmetic uh, surgeries or cosmetic procedures should be first evaluated in order to rule out not only gynecological diseases, but only mental health diseases. And last but not least, sexual dysfunction. So we have to make like a multidisciplinary approach. So a lot of the time you'll have the argument from the people who perform cosmetic surgeries that women choose to have things like breast augmentation and nose jobs or rhinoplasty or abdominoplasty, which are sometimes called tummy tucks, just because they want them. Do you think it's the same when women just want to have cosmetic gynecologic procedures? No, I wouldn't say it's the same, although it's also a cosmetic surgery. Because I think that when surgeons perform genital surgery, when the intention to modify the appearance, sometimes possible complications regarding deterioration of sexual function doesn't occur with the other types of surgery. So we have to, to take that into, into consideration. Um, that's the reason why women should take this step only after multidisciplinary assessment and after reassuring that they are normal or not. Another important issue is that surgeons should be well-trained and familiarized with this procedure as they are not performed as frequently as the other types of surgery. And also, as it is an intimate surgery, the role of self-esteem is extremely important here. Genitals are not exposed as other body parts, and the fact of wanting to undergo this surgery could be related with a distortion of the personal image, and also it is important to rule out, in this case, body dysmorphic syndrome. What do you think are important messages for women and physicians to know about this topic? For the patients, girls and women of all ages and also men must be educated that the normal vulva doesn't exist and that there's a huge diversity, not only in size, but in color and in appearance, and that having the Barbie vulva doesn't represent an advantage compared to other types of vulva. And to physicians and other healthcare providers, I would recommend to work hard on education regarding normal anatomy and normal physiology, and also extremely important to be careful to what we say to patients. It is recommendable to use these online resources that you talked about, also crucial upon examination of the genital region, use non-judgmental language, reassure the patient of their normality, and in other words, to provide that there is no medical basis for their concern. And finally, it is important to address all the symptoms and concerns of the patient. Sometimes patients come to the clinic with some specific concern and while making the interview, patient starts talking about other things. For instance, they have pain and they relate that to labia minora hypertrophy. So it is very important, the interview and addressing all the symptoms. Would you say it's quite rare that there's actually an anatomic issue causing problems for patients? The patient comes to the clinic with something. She's suffering, obviously, something that is happening. But the patient defect sometimes can be real or sometimes it could be a misperception 
or also an effort to explain, for example, I don't know, the failure of a relationship or sometimes an attempt to explain symptoms such as pain or dyspareunia. Obviously, there are some things that they are considered like reconstructive surgery, for example, congenital hypertrophy or like the consequences of a previous surgery or... Right. Like sometimes a poor healed obstetrical tear or an injury. Like there's things like that. There's very, very rare cases where someone is very asymmetrical and it bothers them or they have a sport they do, like they're a horseback rider and their skin keeps getting caught. But I find that a very small number. As you say, the vast majority of times, it's either someone just doesn't like something or they're attributing a symptom that may or may not be related to the anatomy. You spoke about complications with sexual pain sometimes after these surgeries. Are there any other potential complications? Yes, there are. There are a lot of complications. And when we talk about the procedure with the patient, we should not forget about complications. Female genital cosmetic surgery is now exempt from complications. This includes Suturedacence, pain, dyspareunia, bleeding, scarring, hypersensitivity, sometimes inadequate or, or excessive tightening. And this could bring like a, a very big problem to the woman. Yes, and, I, and if it's about how something looks, they may also not be happy with the result they get. Yes, and also because, as I was saying before, sometimes these women have this body dysmorphic syndrome. Sometimes they are not happy with their results. So that is very important for, for us as a healthcare providers to make sure that the patient is happy with the results of the surgery before going into that. I liked what you said earlier too about the language that people use when they're examining patients, women, and that it's very important how we talk to people and that it's very important for us to educate our patients about what is normal since they don't get to see a whole bunch of other people like we do. Yes, and that's why using diagrams or, or online resources such as you say, like the library or the Great Wall of, of Vaginas, that <laughs> they are not vaginas, we know that, uh, but it, it is important. Yes, for people who don't know, there's an artwork called The Great Wall of Vagina where there's 400 plaster-casted vulvas up on a wall in Europe. But they're actually, they're vulvas, but they're called The Great Wall of Vagina. <laughs> and it's great great picture for anybody who's giving a vulva talk. Uh, so, so Dr. Torres, do you have any anything else you'd like to tell us about this topic? Well, uh, regarding cosmetic procedures in general, we are part of the International Society for the Study of the Vulvovaginal Disease. And in the 2018, there was this consensus document that was published regarding all the laser procedures. We have to be very careful when we talk about that with the patients because sometimes in web pages and advertising, patients can, can read or they can see that there are new laser procedures that are magical and they can cure everything. And it's not like that. We are in continuous research, but at the moment, laser is not recommended for treatment of 
vaginal atrophy or urinary incontinence unless part of well-designed clinical trials. And we are lacking that well-designed clinical trials for using these new cosmetic procedures. So we have to be very careful. And also for lichen sclerosis, the companies are marketing to everybody for all of these conditions and the data is not there. Um, sorry. Um, also for vulvodynia, we have to be very careful because sometimes when using laser, complications may occur that will make it worse, you know? Right. We use lasers for one of the indications is for H-cell or precancerous vulvar lesion. Sometimes we use laser. And it, one of the things we talk about when we laser people is that there's a risk that they're going to have pain, right? Because you're burning their skin. So that's part of the consent for when we even use it for indicated treatments. So you have to be careful when you already have that symptom that you might make it worse. Yes. And we, we hope that in the future we can have more procedures or more things to offer the patients to cure their symptoms or to make them feel better. But, I mean, we have to continue on researching and continue on making these clinical studies. Right. So I I guess to summarize, gynecologic cosmetic procedures exist. There is a consent process like any cosmetic procedure, but you also need to address sexual function and potential problems with it as a result of the surgeries. Be careful if you're doing them, who's doing them for you and their training and experience and what kind of promises they're making you, right? And that there's lots of variations of normal. Would you say that's about right? I think that that's the most important message to take home, (laughs) that there's a wide variety and we have to explain the patients. We are not all the same. I've seen your mentor, Dr. Marchitelli, talking and she always talks about how everybody has different hair color and different eye color and different textures to their hair. Like we all look different and it's the same with vulvas, which is vulvas. They all look different. (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, thank you, Dr. Salk, very much. Again, that's Dr. Sofia Torres, a gynecologist in Argentina. Mm -hmm. 